We've all been there, in the middle of a job, everything going smoothly, until boom, you're missing a part. United Refrigeration is your one-stop shop for all your refrigeration needs. Use your computer or smartphone to go to www.uri.com at any time of day or night to check stock on your favorite brands, such as Copeland, Sporlin, Carlisle Compressors, Danfoss, Emerson CPC Boards and Sensors, Carell, Hussman Parts, and Ketotherm. United Refrigeration Inc. is home to these brands and many more. Looking for information on refrigerant conversions or refrigerant banking? Quick access links on the homepage can get you to the information you need. All approved accounts are able to see live to the minute inventory and pricing. Product not in stock at your local branch? No problem. Use the nearby stock feature to find a local branch that does have what you need. Are you looking for a branch address, phone number, or after hours number? That's all available as well. Just click on the branch locator and search for your local branch. Have a model number and looking for a replacement part? www.uri.com forward slash ARP has a vast list of quick pick replacement parts. Just search for the model number of the equipment you're working on and click the replacement parts tab. If you don't have an account, click the register button and we'll have you online in no time. With more than 400 locations in North America, each United Refrigeration branch is fully stocked for immediate pickup. Our branch employees have in-depth technical knowledge so we can help you get what you need when you need it. Visit your local store or www.uri.com forward slash ARP today. United Refrigeration Inc. has all your solutions down cold. I'd like to take a minute to talk about one of our sponsors, Parker Sporlin and Thermostatic Expansion Valves. How can you guys always have the right thermostatic expansion valve for the right application without having to carry hundreds of valves in your truck? Well, that's simple. Using Sporlin's interchangeable cartridge-style valves, the Q valve for conventional and the BQ valve for balance port. It, it, it's as easy as one, two, three. It serves thousands of unique applications. So one, you just select a thermostatic element for your application. Two, you select the body style you need. Three, you select the right size cartridge for the application. These easy to select and assemble valves mean you always have the right valve for the job on your truck. For more information on the Q and BQ valves, visit Sporland.com. Thanks guys, enjoy the episode. This uplifting cinematic experience. Uh, I've got something important to tell you, man. The big story is... Dig this and dig it deep. Hey, it's good effort. Way to go, way to go. Dude, don't encourage him. Last hoes know I'm being sarcastic, right? <laughs> I've been called the songbird of my generation. Holy shit. I'm holding in a huge piss. So could you get to the point? Terrible. Awful. I hated it. War's over, man. Wormer dropped the big one. Bloody psychopath. High function sociopath. Shit, I never thought I'd see the day when two 
such highly reputable mischief makers as yourselves douse your drawers at the side of a mall security guard. I see you got fat. The force is strong with this one. What are you, eight? Hi guys, welcome to the Advanced Refrigeration Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Compass, along with the other host, Brett Wetzel, the host. What's going on, guys? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, man? Where are you? Um, I, dude, you've been so freaking busy. Where, where, where are you? Where are you at? What are you doing? Who, who are you yelling at? What who, you know? What are you doing? Oh, I'm uh, uh, back in Chicago. I'm just running from disaster to disaster. We had a uh, quite a bit of a uh, shit show uh, this weekend, right as I was getting on the plane to go home from vacation or my attempted vacation. Um, we had a rack that uh, we actually lost a CO2 gas cooler controller. Uh, we lost it once. It was a 326A. It shorted out. And then... I went down there. I found one, you know, cause they're like, you know, you had a better chance of winning the lottery right now than finding one. So I went down there, threw it in and uh, got it, got the rack back going and it ran for like three weeks, zero issues. And then all of a sudden on Sunday, it decided uh, to short out again. Sweet. Randomly. So it shorted out again. Uh, Prentice, it was down there. Uh, you know, lo and behold, you know, got everything as well as he could drove three hours to my house to go pick up another one after I, after I landed, put it in, we checked over a bunch of stuff. It made it 15 minutes and let the smoke out for the third time. So we had uh, actually smoked every one of them that I know of in the United States and Canada. <laughs> there is no so, more left. So, 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 after the second one, you didn't rip it apart to see like what smoked. So you can kind oh, of make- yeah. It was it, it was uh the whole fucking board was smoldered. Really? Yeah, it was like it had a hole in it. Pictures are pictures are the, the the first one had a had a hole right right in the middle of the processor. <laughs> I'm done. So, I'm done. Yeah, we uh this thing was down and I tracked it down when when he put it in, I had him disconnect uh the analog output signal. So I had him disconnect it and then uh I had him you know, fired up with just a flash gas bypass valve hook to it, and that's it. And as soon as he started to program it, it smoked. So we tracked it down to the flash gas bypass valve, was back feeding DC power into the through the uh, stepper valve somehow into the board, shorting it out. So, I mean, that thing was pretty well fucked. So it's it's Sunday night. Obviously, we can't do nothing about this right now. Thank God this is at uh, one of those big box warehouses where they uh, have redundancy. They have a little bit of redundancy built in. So actually, you know, got the boxes all down to temp. They lost like one or two boxes of uh, they had to move stuff around. So not like a huge loss, but like uh, obviously they can't sell products. But so in the morning, we uh, kind of put some stuff together and uh, realized that there's none of these valves in the U.S. None. So, uh, which, 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 
which valve did it have in there? Danfoss? It was an ETS 100. So United doesn't even have it in the system um, because it's not it's not something they sell a lot. I mean, it's a something like overseas. It's an it's a it's a valve from the UK basically, mm-hmm. more based in like in Canada. Like so, I mean, and basically nobody but United around us sells Danfoss. Like I mean, no supply houses at all up here sell Danfoss. Yeah. So Danfoss you- themselves didn't have one up here. Well, hold on, hold on. This is on uh this is on the the flash flash tank bypass. So technically, I mean, you could use a conventional CDS valve, right? That's what I did. I took oh, a okay. I took a CDS Portland CDS valve, which is almost the exact same specs as this ETS valve, like almost to a T. The the, the CDS valve had like a forty pound higher working range, and. uh Ended up slapping that guy on there against the uh, manufacturer's wishes because they told me it wouldn't work and it would fail. Lies. Yeah. I mean, they offered zero solutions, so only negativity. Sounds like you. (laughs) I offer negativity and solutions. (laughs) I I, I never never offer negativity without solutions. That's not full of shit. (laughs) That's not full of shit. I'm saying their shit is garbage and this is what they need to do to fix it. It's it's positive negativity. <laughs> such an so, you know, okay. So that the three twenty six A situation was still screwing us. I mean, I ended up getting uh, some microthermal boards, and microthermal has their own control for the flash gas and flash tank bypass. Came out like last year, maybe a year before that. Um, so it's a two valve controller. I ended up taking that retrofitting the 326a controller into this and uh i had to rewire a bunch of stuff i had to figure out the danfoss the sporland conversion to uh convert all the wires over because you got to flip the uh white and black wire around in order to drive a danfoss valve from microthermal or like an sma so if it's Mm -hmm. a danfoss like eepr electronic epr ev you got to flip the black and white wire around Mm -hmm. um get that back all going it was like i don't know like seven o'clock last night i finally got the rack back going mm-hmm. so i mean it ran beautifully it actually ran better with the microthermal control than it did with the danfoss controller which is surprising and i barely barely tuned it i just got it going enough last night and then i drove uh three and a half hours home in the middle of nowhere so if you would have if you would have technically hooked that that other valve up you know like you know you would have smoked that 326 right and then you didn't have another one and you would have attempted to to put that on there you would have probably you would have smoked the microthermal port which would have told you hey valves done valves bad but you told me something interesting about the valve and i want to make sure you you press on this because you said the one controller ran for a couple weeks and and you had you had a theory why and and tell us why the valve was bad so my theory was like i I tracked it down on microthermal like it's not so much a theory i proved it um, so the valve both times it blew is when it got to like 70 degrees outside. So what was happening is the load in the flash tank was increasing tremendously and the valve was driving a lot more. So it was driving open more mm-hmm. and the thing was like loose as a goose. Like it fell apart. So they took it apart. Like the, I, I could take the, the motor drive. I could take the drive on the motor and I could move it around like three quarters of an inch inside. I could just so- twirl it. With my fingers. It was, it was clapped. 
So basically, the higher the temperature means that it would be running transcritical more, which means it would open up the flash tank bypass to to compensate for a little bit more. Well, we, we we never hit the fact that we we never hit transcritical. I mean, it just uh, it just the load on the flash gas, the flash tank increased. Yeah. So it just it just couldn't handle the driving, and it was uh, it was it was average open like twenty percent, like in when it when it had issues it started open to like 50 to 70 percent so that that's why it uh that's my theory on why why it was kind of it was quiet for a little bit i mean it ohmed out fine if you ohmed a valve out even if it's in my truck if you ohm it out it's fine but if it drives it uh it would end up shorting out i mean it, it was uh pretty much instantly and uh my, my theory here is uh the those that 326a all the newer ones i'm pretty sure they're like cheap chinese parts in there i mean they, they probably can't get the semiconductor i've been seeing electronics like burn up like non-stop where it would normally take a short i mean i'm pretty sure like the, whatever semiconductors they had in there is probably some like cheap chinese junk that uh well it's supply and demand right well yeah i mean they can't get it i mean the microthermal board probably would have took it it would it actually it would have told you right away it would have protected itself like it it has yeah it, it'll it'll shut itself down before, so before speak, go ahead no i was gonna say speaking of danfoss um i was um, i'm in jacksonville this week and i was driving back from the shop um and i was looking on linkedin and saw that dave yoder has a podcast did you see this yeah i've listened to it a couple times but it's good it's good um yeah, maybe we what can finally you, get that on. Yeah, talk talk about uh, some of the little problems with the 880. Sure. <laughs> um, tonight, tonight, tonight. What are we talking about? I have something written down, but that's not it. Yeah, you, you have the, the like the fucking attention span of a squirrel. Um, I do. Okay, we're going to talk about uh, how to clean up uh, dirty rack, guys. I've been seeing like a lot of posts on there lately of like uh, sucked in filters, destroyed filters, blown temp rights. Um, so we're going to go over how to clean up a dirty rack and how to kind of clean up with, uh, what it, with what you have at hand. Okay, so say you got a bunch of like screens plugging up. Uh, we're not talking like post-construction uh, cleanup. We'll, we'll go over that separately. But like I'm talking like you have a rack. It's plug-in screens. Your suction temp's hot. Okay. So obviously a dirty rack is a problem. I mean, plug-in filter dryers. This is, this is the way I look at this. I mean, if you're only treating the symptom of the rack plugging up or like dryers plugging up or cases plugging up and – you're only cleaning screens or changing dryers out when they, when it happens. I mean, you're not fixing the problem. You're fixing the problem at hand. You're not fixing the, the real problem. So the way I look at this is if I get a store where I start plugging screens, say like, okay, if I have like three or four screens plug in a couple of days, or I get a bunch of plug dryers at a store where it normally doesn't happen, or it's say it does happen a lot. You know, I'm going to take a look at things, look at the rack. I mean, until the rack is cleaned up, I mean, this is where the trash is coming from. Where is it coming from, number one? Okay, what does the oil look like? Because the majority of the stuff is coming probably from the oil. So, I mean, uh, are we running high, high? Go ahead, Brett. 
and also seeing what you know what you're seeing as you're opening that up right like if you see black carbony stuff that's going to indicate one thing right uh, if you see if you know you go to clean out the screen you think it's just uh dirt but it ends up like sticking to there where you actually legitimately have to use uh you know some kind of contact cleaner you know that's that's indicative of of wax and wax is usually indicative of moisture right and uh, you know speaking of like what seeing stuff on the internet i've seen a bunch of stuff like people have been posting like inside of compressors and i like in the past month i've probably seen about 20 or 30 pictures where like you see ex just really really bad copper plating like don gill showed a showed a crank on like a small little k body every single uh journal uh, on the crank or was just you know caught you know coppered up on there um you know picture people taking pictures of some of the heads where you get that red you know that dark red tinge um just a boatload of freaking moisture in some of these systems um just <laughs> no but i mean it legitimately makes sense um what um what do you do so when you have when you have a, a dirty a dirty system um obviously you're going to change the uh, the filter dryers you're going to put high high uh high uh high acid uh filters in there and you know sometimes you have to do some uh uh, other things so in the suction canisters you know sometimes you know putting uh high charcoal filters in there for the time being sometimes so I, I will do this a little differently with that like okay, so depending on what it is if it's carbon mm -hmm. or like uh bearing bearing particles like say a compressor grenaded or it's valve plate material um like a scroll just ate itself like every protocol yeah so sporlin actually makes a new kit that goes inside of uh the dryer shells so you could buy the replacement like guts so change your change your dryer shells you buy the replacement guts you could buy like i think it's a one or five micron filter that goes over that like so the new style like screen is that long shaft okay like the whole shaft is the screen not just the end plate mm -hmm. so you could buy a uh filter that goes inside that that goes over that screen dude it catches everything but it blocks up quick as hell. We we had yes. a we had a rack. Good. That, that that's what we want. We want it to block up quick. I mean, no. we want we want it to catch everything. I mean, so number one thing I'm focusing on, I'm getting my liquid. Okay, you want to go where the flow is. You're gonna get your liquid. You want to get them. You know, your filters change out a couple times. You know, put that pre-filter on there. Okay, then I'm gonna hit my oil. Okay, I'm gonna clean up that oil. I, if I have a super dirty rack, I don't like throwing sporlin oil filters on there. I like the the suction filters. I, it seems like they catch a ton more, like the SF two eighty threes, like Husband used to use. Mm -hmm. So I will use those to clean up. They're a lot cheaper. So I'll use the SF two eighty threes to clean up. They seem to do a lot better job of uh, like cleaning up like big debris. So like. Uh, they don't they plug up but it seems like they uh they maybe last a little bit longer and they they maybe get everything a little bit cleaner i don't know if it's the actual suction filter like set up inside of it and not just being an oil filter mm -hmm. so it seems to clean up a lot better and it's you could buy two of them for one oil filter so once i get the oil cleaned up then i'll switch it out to an of303 or the uh rf uh filter so the, I want to get that oil. Sorry, the 
the the strainer he's talking like the the kit that, the, that he's talking about is it's basically a um, it's the same length as the inside of the uh, filter dryer because you're gonna buy it based off the you know what model number uh, filter dryer setup you have the canister. But basically, it slides right over the metal mesh screen, and it's like a, a white, a white material. It almost looks like a like an air filter material, almost right. And then at the top, top and bottom, the uh, chrome at the top and bottom, and just slides right over there. Yeah, I mean, it, it works good. Like if I'm doing a retrofit, like I put them on before we start the retrofit. That way, I can kind of catch the stuff as it goes. But that thing is tremendously helpful on cleaning up. Okay, getting the oil cleaned up. I'm not a big fan of doing oil changes. I think it's kind of useless, um, especially if it's POE oil. I'll just try to clean it up with uh, using oil filters. You know, I may change them a couple times, you know, maybe once a day till I get the debris cleaned up, depending on what it is. If I get a reed, reed breakup and it's in a separator, I mean, dude, it could take like three or four like oil filter changes, like at one every day before you get all that, that, that crap out of there. You want the filter to plug up. Do not... I will say this again, do not use the uh, the bypass filters, you know, especially if you've got a dirty rack. I mean, this is where I usually see these racks get out of controls with the bypass filters because, I mean, it, it's bypassing, it's plugged. I mean, it's bypassing. It's not doing its job anymore. So it's bypassing that oil in there, and that oil is dirty. Well, next thing you know, now it's plugging up all your uh, your screens. So I will go through and depending on how dirty the rack is, say if it's filthy and I'm getting oil issues and plug screens, I start from the beginning. I get my, uh, my liquid filters changed. I get that new assembly in there. And then depending on how bad it is, I will drain down the compressors by pumping the oil back into the reservoir or wherever. And I will pull the sump screens, clean all the sump screens. Okay. Get all the sump screens cleaned, get everything, uh, you know, vacuumed down, get all the sump screens clean, get all the garbage out of the bottom of the compressors, get the oil cleaned up, okay? And then once that's on there, I'm checking my suction filter pressure drops. If they're installed, I mean, I'm pretty diligent about that on PMs, making sure I don't have a huge pressure drop in my suction filters because that will kill a rack. I mean, you're, you're making heat. You're, you're not getting that cold suction gas coming back. You have a pressure drop. It's inefficient. So what you want to do is make sure those suction filters, if you're leaving them in, Make sure there's no pressure drop on there. I mean, otherwise, pull them. If you have a dirty rack, I will pull those and open them up and change them and or throw in liquid cores in them. So, so I'll put liquid cores in them and it'll, uh, I mean, it, it they don't last long doing that. They'll plug up real quick, but I mean, they catch a lot of stuff in there. Go ahead, Brett. So two things. So. If you have a hot gas defrost or cool gas defrost, are you doing anything um, to the like to the discharge line? Like if you you continually have have you know block blocked uh, filters on on your um, on your strainers on, on your TXVs, uh, you know I've seen where people have put in uh, a dryer a dryer shell you know on the discharge line of that gas going over there and to you know basically prevent any of that shit bypassing because you know if you're coming right off the discharge you're not being filtered by the liquid yeah you're being filtered by the suction a little bit but you're potentially moving all that shit around and the follow-up to that is um you know what do you do when you have wax build up in your pipe so bad that it's gumming up the valves and you know even after you've changed out the filters a bunch of times hello guys this episode is brought to you by field peace 
Fieldpiece's next generation of vacuum pumps will cut down on evacuation time and make oil changes on the fly a breeze. They are lightweight, durable, and feature four inline ports plus a large oil reservoir. Get pumped about these three new Fieldpiece vacuum pumps available at distributors now. Learn more at Fieldpiece.com or follow us on social media at Fieldpiece Products. Thanks again and thanks for listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new Reefer Shield Differential Pressure Monitor from Westermeyer Industries. When the filter element of your coalescing oil separator is contaminated, it can hurt your system's performance and efficiency. But how do you know when it's time to replace that filter? Way too long to replace and you could end up with a nasty filter blowout. But replacing too often could be a waste of time and money. The answer is installing a differential pressure monitor. The new Reefer Shield RDP-01 Differential Pressure Monitor is available now from Westermeyer Industries. To find out more information, email sales at westermeyerind.com. That's sales at westermeyerind.com. Hello, guys. This episode is brought to you by Fieldpiece. Fieldpiece's next generation of vacuum pumps will cut down on evacuation time and make oil changes on the fly a breeze. They are lightweight, durable, and feature four inline ports plus a large oil reservoir. Get pumped about these three new Fieldpiece vacuum pumps available at distributors now. Learn more at Fieldpiece.com or follow us on social media at Fieldpiece Products. Thanks again and thanks for listening. Hey guys, this is question number one for the monthly giveaway. We're giving away a Fieldpiece wireless vacuum gauge, the MG44. Question number one. What is the maximum cylinder temperature that you're allotted to have before oil starts breaking down? Thanks, guys, and keep listening. Make sure you email your answer to arpgiveaways at gmail.com. Once again, that's arpgiveaways at gmail.com. Yeah, so, I mean, I remember me and you asked that in Sporland, you know, replied that their shells are only, I think it was good to, like, 200 degrees with the liquid cores were good, too. Yeah. Was they rated to so i mean i mean technically you're probably getting away with doing it i've i have done it on a cool gas rack i have added a shell dryer to a cool gas rack to to clean it up that we had that was absolutely a filthy abortion um any kind of hot gas where it's bypassing wherever the hell it wants to go during you know during defrost it might not be getting filtered so you end up putting you're wondering why you're like why isn't it getting clean? I've changed the filters. I changed the the coalescing filter on the separator sixty times. Like, why so is all the like, shit out? So like, that, it's like oil problems. For example, like everybody's trying to figure out why is the compressor the oil keep coming back to smash this compressor <laughs> every time? Why is it this compressor every time? I don't care why it's that compressor. I care why the oil is leaving the rack to smash compressors. Like the same thing with the rack is dirty. Yeah, the rack is these these. Everything's plugging up in the field. Like, yeah, it's getting taken out there by the by the hot gas defrost, but why is it in the rack to begin with? That's where you need to think from. You need to get that rack cleaned up and running properly before you could, you know, make this problem go away. Like you can't just like change the filters and be like, yeah, the problem's gonna go away. We change all the filters. Why is the rack dirty in the first place? Is it running high discharge temps? I mean, is the super E too high? Are we cooking the oil? Are, oh. Do we have compressors that are, you know, oil failure controls are jumped out or not running properly? Are we burning up bearings? No, this this one was uh, we had, I think, within three or four weeks, we had uh, a 
short internal short basically you know the the rotor i don't know i i think the rotor smashed in the stator and and shorted it because of, of bad bearing wear because of non-condensables and stuff yeah i mean but even even then like okay yeah like that happened there but like um, the majority of these stores i see especially older independents older stores i mean they're they're still neglected with like the discharge temps and i mean guys pms with discharge temps are like super important like you could use that copeland mobile app and you can go in there and you could type in your conditions your return gas temps your um your suction pressure your discharge pressure it'll tell you within like 10 degrees of what your discharge temp should be if it's if i'm doing a pm i'll quickly like punch that in there and i'll check my discharge temps if i got one that's like way higher than that you could have a blown valve plate i mean there's so many valve plates blown on compressors that guys miss and don't see and then it ends up causing heat and breaking down oil and then next thing you know you have uh carbon and uh burned up oil and then you're plugging up oil floats and everything else but i mean the the biggest thing is to get all the trash out of the rack and then start cleaning it up is like i am a big proponent of getting the dryer out of the case i do not want dryers in cases or walk-ins nothing pisses me off more than you know going to set superheats or doing commissioning and or like doing startup and i look in there and there's a fucking dryer in there and a damn thing's fucking i don't know if it's plugged or not or if it's plugged now i gotta break out a torch now i gotta cut the dryer out and i gotta hard pipe it I mean, if you got a strainer, like most, I mean, obviously most supermarkets should have like a spoiling valve with a strainer built into it or a removable strainer. Like there's no point in having a dryer at the case. Dryers belong at the rack where they're serviceable, where you don't have to, we don't have to break out a torch and come in there and uh, burn on a dryer in a case or in a walk-in. I want that thing where I could just clean a screen in 10 minutes. It's 10 minutes versus two hours. I mean, do you not agree? Yeah, absolutely. I'd rather have expansion valves with the, with the strainers in there any day. That's why I don't understand why all the electronic valves are not required to actually have the strainers, right? So you have, you know, like they they have that that Sporlin strain that Sporlin EV with the strainer, and I've seen yes. less fail than I have the straight through valves with the internal strainer. So the, the, the difference is, is they just have one extra S on there. So usually the valve is like an SCR double a you know a s-e-r-a um in this instance it's uh for the strainer it's s-s-e-r and then the number and you're not getting one unless it's an oem <laughs> R- really yeah like you can't like just go get there they're, they there's too much of a demand like they're not shipping to supply houses those are oem only veils right now like they they can't even keep up with the supply chain they can't even keep up with the oems so um that's the only thing that about those valves if you if you do have one fail but like i've seen less failures with those than any of the other ones how much more manufacturers don't make a, an easy easy strainer that's in line that looks like a conventional strainer on like a chiller system or something you know what i mean like a serviceable wine strainer that's not so difficult like anyone that i've ever worked yeah, on it's just good. been a bear to take apart well yeah i mean I like the whole target thing with the inline strainers. Like I don't, I don't get that. Like the strainer before the strainer. Like, uh, you're not the customer. Yeah. You don't make the rules. You know. Yeah, I mean, you get a strainer in front of a strainer, but what do I know? Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, dryers in the cases. I mean, dryers in the cases make 
to me, make the problem worse because they start plugging up over time and you lose performance and then they lead to more rack issues, more overheating. I mean, so especially like if you guys are, if you guys are having something plug, say you have a, a case that's running warm, it's one case in the lineup. Don't just do the one case, do the whole lineup, cut all the dryers out of the entire lineup or change all the dryers in the entire lineup. Because if one's plugged, I guarantee you the other ones are not far behind. So, oh yeah, no, no I remember now. So what, um, what are you doing uh, when you have an excessive amount of wax going through the, you know, the system from, let's just say the condenser on what's your, what's your fix for that? You're not going to pump down the whole system and blow a shit ton of RX 11 flush in there. What are you going to do? I mean, the only thing you do is throw in wax dryers. That's the only thing I've seen. But I mean, wax is that's like a mineral oil thing. You shouldn't have wax with POE oil. I'm telling. So from these burnouts on on this on this uh, rack, they had um, it was there was wax all over the place. So we even had a problem. It was so severe we actually had a problem with split. And I rebuilt. I personally rebuilt the the check valve and and probably I think uh, like two or three weeks later yeah, it failed. I don't think that's wax though because I don't think you could have wax in in a POE oil system. If you could have it in a mineral oil system or an alkabenzene oil system, I don't think you could have wax. That's just like what you're seeing is just like gummed up oil, yes. like oil basically. It's it's like carbon carbon and oil mixed together, like oh, almost so it, like nylog almost. So when it shorted, probably when it shorted, it fucking shorted through the through the through maybe potentially through the oil and then causing that that buildup to be in there, right? Yeah, it's like the consistency of nylog, basically. It's like thicker, stickier. Yes. Correct. Yes, absolutely. That that is oil and carbon mixed together. Earwax. It's basically earwax. That's what, exactly what it looks like. Yeah, like it's uh. I mean, the only way you can clean that up is with uh, wax filters and uh, just getting it all out. Like, I mean, this pulling part, I mean, we've had stores where we've had that issue before and it's the only way we get it out is like taking st stuff apart and cleaning it. Like major valves that it gets stuck in, it seems to get stuck in the discharge line and like the drop leg, for some reason, like the drop leg holdbacks. Like I find those all the time that they're gummed up like that, like where they, uh, they won't regulate or like they stick. You, you'll you'll find the port is all jammed up with that with that stuff. So I mean, just taking brake cleaner to it and like cleaning it up. I mean, it, it seems to clean up pretty quick. But I mean, the only thing you could do is is deal with the the problem that caused it and then get it cleaned up. I mean, wax is like I mean, it's like acid. I mean, so throwing away throwing their acid filters and stuff. I mean, just checking that. I mean, in those acid test kits, don't use like the little like quick cheapy ones get the legitimate acid test kits and i mean i'm a big proponent of like getting oil tested too i mean i think all all racks especially that are you know maintenance customers those 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 racks should get a legitimate oil sample test kit done every year not like the the ones you go for united to get like i'm talking like a legitimate uh sample test kit you can buy them at united you can buy them in other places but like a legitimate uh test kit where, where it goes to a lab and they can tell you okay you have acid in the oil you have like this is your uh, uh ppm of uh metal in the oil like you could tell if bearings are breaking down like you could tell like uh the makeup of the oil you could tell if it's uh overheated like getting a legitimate oil sample done 
yeah, everything to do with, with uh, how clean the system is, uh, burnouts, just general cleanness. Like I've seen oil like turn yellow just from the way the system is. I mean, it, just because it's CO2 doesn't mean anything. I mean, it turns dark, it turns colors. Like, I mean, I have we have 404 racks that are clear. You know, we have newer, newer refrigerant racks that are clear. Like, usually when I see yellow oil, it's usually either dyed or it has uh, it's had a bunch of burnouts in it. Yeah. I mean, the CO2 oil is just, it, it's still POE oil. It's just 85 weight. Yeah. But yeah, just just going through and the biggest thing, you guys, is uh, getting everything cleaned up. I see suction filters all the time that uh, are blown out. Like I don't know how many racks that I like. We we just did some uh, case change out to the store, and like part of the store's thing is uh, you got to change all the filters when you're done. No matter what you do, if it's if it's one case in the rack, you got to change the liquid, the oil, and the suction filters. So I mean, I pull these filters out and. I know when I'm cutting bolts off a suction shell, they haven't been done in forever. So if you're cutting bolts off, there's a good chance if they aren't, if you don't see the guts in the motor room, those things are probably still in there and they are probably 10 years old. I mean, I, I did a gas change out and I probably had like, I think on one rack, we had uh, 12 compressors. I had nine crush filters. Damn. So and I, there was six egg compressors. Uh that were two were changed, three were changed, and uh two had died twice already, and uh, nobody ever changed the suction filters, and they were black as a tire and they were crushed and they were oil they were oil logged. So tip, typically after startup, they're supposed to yank them out. Depends on the customer. Um yeah, well, all the customers well, I've seen the spec for. Yeah, you'd be surprised. Um there's a lot of customers where they don't want them out which makes sense i mean they're there for a reason but i mean uh yeah there's a lot of customers that don't want them out i mean i usually depending on what it is like i usually will change them after the first week i'll change it on startup i'll change all the dryers get the suction filters in i mean in if uh if the suction filter is clean when i pull it i just usually leave it out and I zip tie the spring to the outside of it so that way uh, somebody knows it's out and pulled. And then it never gets lost because usually they usually end up in a box or somewhere in the rack and they end up getting tossed next time they clean the and motor I'll tell room. You what, it's a pain in the ass to get the springs. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. I mean, try getting through a supply house, it's a pain in the ass. So, so I we, mean, we. I've had a bunch of uh, liquid uh, liquid canister filters. The, the centerpiece, I'm not sure what they're calling it, but basically the strainer that's in the center uh, blow yeah, out. Huh? Yeah. Or the newer ones where they break, where the, uh, the people don't crank down on them because the, it'll pull the, uh, like the newer style spoiling ones. If you crank down on it real hard, I mean, that's just a pressed fitting in the end, like where it's in the screen. So it'll pull right, right. out. Really? No, the yeah, problem so we were you, having was just bad, dirty systems just eating shit and, you know, causing, you know, a ridiculous amount of blockage in them. Yeah, you can get those scre- those one screens at United. Like you buy a pack, like I think they come in like a pack of 10 or something from Sporland. You could buy those, uh, the screens for the, the older strainers and the Danfoss ones. Mm-hmm. The Sporland ones and the Danfoss ones. But the Danfoss I'm, ones to plug up like nonstop. I'm talking about the ones in the center. I'm not talking about the one at the end. 
because the the one in the end they they make two different uh metal meshes they make a, a one that's like a screen door which is really really fine and then they have another one which is the typical one that's in there that looks like it's what a 16th of an inch between the spacing or something yeah i'd rather uh i i would rather have a, a finer screen and uh you know change the dryers more than and uh, have to deal with uh, not getting it. I mean, but again, they will blow out. Like I've I've seen them blow out. The Danfoss ones seem to plug up like nonstop, though. Like those that that screen, whatever they have on there, is like super fine. Like the dryers will be like super clean, but the screen's doing like most of the work. Really? Yeah. But yeah, j- just keeping everything clean is the biggest thing. Keeping the discharge temps down. Guys don't realize like how much discharge temps you know will just tank up tank a rack well the discharge the oil starts breaking out down at like is it two uh wait, hold on two is it 300 or 275 it's whatever the cylinder temperature is 300 ish i mean i mean yeah you you want your compressors running cooler i mean who wants to be in a motor room sweating their ass off because like the compressors are just overheating and it's hot and burning you and just hate your life at that point well, that's awful yeah, two o'clock in the morning, and there's nasty oil everywhere. Not in your, I mean, not not if you're in a Kalos motor room. <laughs> I don't no. get it. Because every single motor room that they show <laughs> that he's always redoing looks like you can eat off the freaking floor. Oh yeah, we're doing right now. Uh, let me tell you, the hot seat—that's the key. The hot seat pressure washer. Let me tell really? you, the hot seat pressure washer walls. It'll also cut a, a head cooling fan uh, wire in half. Learn that the hard way. It, it'll also short out a rack really bad. Well, I usually keep the rack running, so that way I know if I fuck something up. <laughs> we, we were doing one one time, I and mean, that's another thing. Keeping this like thing clean on the outside too. We, we were the the Walmart guys were coming around doing the power washing. They got those sweet ass hot seat pressure washers. They got this like mini like hot seat gun. So like, I'm in there. I'm like, hey, can I borrow that for a minute? Because this rack room is filthy. Like we had the Walmart tech there at the time, right before they uh, they all got let go. We uh, he was a hoarder. So we made him uh, we made him clean out. This is his home store. We made him clean all the shit out of the rack house, and like he had like a storage unit next to it. So there was actually a uh, construction dumpster there. So it was like an episode of hoarders. We were uh, out there making them throw things away. Like, I mean, we found like compressors that were like six years old that like, you know, scrolls that like never got installed. Like, dude, he's like, oh, I may need this. No, no, it's going in the dumpster. <laughs> like controls, like parts that were like, we found parts in like the 90s that were like brand new. Like, I'm like, nope, just throw it in the dumpster. You haven't used it in 20 years. It's going in the dumpster. Like what kind of stuff? See that? Like, I mean, coils and, like, electrical parts, like, contact. I'm going to put a 20-year-old contactor in. But it's still good. Just came out of the box. So, like, we had two apprentices there. We get everything cleaned out. And, like, I'm in there with the hot seat just going to town on this thing. Well, I hit one of the fucking head cooling fan wires, and it ripped it out. And it was 460. And it sounded like a hand grenade. Take out the fuse? Oh, I took their fucking rack main out. The whole rack house went dark. 
I did that once at a at a chocolate plant. Um, I was cleaning a coil on a on a a frame uh, York, I think like a sixty five or seventy five horse chiller, and see, so yet each side was its own circuit. So I'd shut off one circuit, start cleaning, clean the the condensers because it would just pack with chocolate dust, and I went over to the other side and was doing the same thing. And all of a sudden it got real quiet. I'm like, what the hell happened to the chiller? And the guy comes rushing out, one of the maintenance guys. He's like, what did you do? I'm like, I was just cleaning the coil. Why? He's like, because we just took, you just took out the MDP and the bus duct actually shook because the wire shook when I shorted out. So I opened it up because like, I was like nowhere near any kind of electrical. Well, in the top of the York chillers there, there's a, a little 90 there. And that little 90 gets a lot of heat from the condenser. So the little rubber grommet didn't really exist anymore. And I got like a tablespoon of water, maybe a teaspoon on a five amp contactor and 460. It just <laughs> shorted the shit out of it. Yeah, I've uh, I've blown myself up quite quite a few times doing that. But I mean, the hot seat just like instantly like cleans all that stuff up. I mean... But yeah, just just getting that stuff clean, guys. Keeping those condensers clean and just going through and getting those filters changed. I mean, that's the first part of it. But you got to fix the problem first. Same thing with like dropping separator floats. I think a separator float should be dropped every single year and the separator checked and cleaned. I mean that you got to figure that thing is is holding the majority of the shit. If you're if you're gonna spend the time to drop it. What is your thought? So, I mean, my thought is on a PM, if you're going to, if you're, if that, you know, the oil and everything else is just nasty, um, are you just going to drop it and replace it? Or are you going to drop it, clean it and put it back in? Uh, it depends. It really, it really does depend. Like it, I mean, how new is it? Uh, do I have a gasket? How pissed off am I going to be trying to get the gasket off? How mad am I in general? I mean, if, if I could even find, you know, nowadays you're you're probably lucky if you even find a float. True. No, I, I don't know. I'm asking because, you know, usually if I have the guys drop it, I'm like, if you're going to drop it anyway and you're potentially going to damage it while you're taking out or finding out it's damaged half, you know, while you actually have it out and now you need one, just well, don't take it apart like a savage, like Jesus. What's that? Don't take it apart like a savage and you'll be fine. I mean, you don't got to beat on it with a sledgehammer. I mean, I, I've kicked the shit out of an oil separator trying to get that thing to feed at 2 o'clock in the morning. Why? I don't understand. So explain to me why why anyone thinks that's going to work. Oh, dude, I've had that work way more than your, your back feeding the float thing. Bullshit. Oh, dude, I will go in there with a sledgehammer, and I will beat that thing like it owes me money. You know, especially at 2 o'clock in the morning, you get a little bit of your frustration out as you're just hammering on that oil separator. You know, then, then you hear that, whoo! It starts feeding you're like oh my god i thank god <laughs> i'm telling you i got a, i got a four pound sludge in, in in there i will beat that thing like it owes me money don't laugh it works <laughs> agree to disagree I mean i i will usually if there's no float in the rack room i will usually get a float replace it and then i will leave i will clean the float and i will leave it in the rack room with a spare gasket
but you probably don't leave a gasket there, do you? Of course I do. If I don't use it, I'm a hoarder. I like I save everything. You know, if I and if I already have one, I'm not going to keep multiples. I'll I'll leave it. I'll leave it in the motor room. Yeah, Dude, I hate going. I hate going to Splat House. Yeah, I don't. I don't really go to Splat House. What did What did you say? I'm the guy that what? You're the guy leaving the trash all over the rack rooms. No. You might find a rogue Red Bull can here or there. Red Bull cans and cigarette butts everywhere. Don't lie to me. <laughs> I'm quitting. Like down to like yep. two packs a week. I'm doing really good. That's why I'm getting fat. <laughs> You've been grumpy too. Pot calling the kettle. I'm not grumpy. I'm I'm cheerfully grumpy. Remember, remember that's what was said the other day. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, guys, that, that'll be a wrap on uh, cleaning up racks. So thanks for listening, guys. Until the next one. See you guys. How'd you do that? Hi. It's actually, I'm not even mad. That's amazing. <laughs> well, they say all good things come to an end. What's that got to do with this show? <laughs> <laughs> Are these seats taken? No, take them! <laughs>